Hello and welcome to Pack Your Bags with Tui. I'm your host, Russell Kane, and this is a travel podcast where I speak to legends from the worlds of sport, food, science, entertainment, loads of different disciplines, and we chat about their greatest travel adventures and misadventures and how these experiences have enriched their lives. How it works is simple. Over the episode, they will reveal their three must-pack items and the surprising stories behind them. I will also ask to see their passport. Yeah, it's partly just to laugh at their passport photo. But I also like to flick through, see what stamps are in there, interrogate them about how they were feeling when that passport was made. You know, what does it mean to them? And to polish it off, there's a quick fire round that puts them in the hot seat. And in the studio today, it is Fred Syriex, who you might know from first dates, goggle box, or his road trip shenanigans. Fred, welcome to Pack Your Bags with Tui. How are you doing today? I'm good, Russell. But I have to say, you're looking really good. Yeah, you too, Really man. fit, really healthy. Your you, skin is glowing. You you're always smiling. <laughs> That's the same. What's your secret? No, I try signed up to the 10-week Fred Syriac's program on oh, your website. Oh, really? <laughs> as, as it started, You this have program. one nutritious croissant for lunch, <laughs> a workout in the afternoon, and a cigarette at bedtime. <laughs> That's the French workout. That's exactly that. How did you know? <laughs> Last time I saw you... Um, it was in a restaurant at the top of a posh hotel. That's right, I yeah. was there with my wife, Lindsay. It was yes. so funny, and you pretended you'd fallen over a bag or something. It really freaked her out. <laughs> People don't know, might not know that playful side about of you as well. Well, you know, I think that in life you need to have fun. You know, yeah. you need to have fun. You need to enjoy yourself. And if I don't have a day, you know, laughing, you know, I don't think it's a good day. Mm. I really live my life every day like it's the last, because it could well be the last. So uh, for me, it's about fun. It's about pleasure. It's about love. And it's about making a difference. In people's life. I like that. I mean, perfect guest. You brought your three must-pack items with you, but before we get into that, I need to make sure your paperwork is in order. Fred, have you got your passport, please? Yeah, of course, it's here. And in ma- my man bag. Mainly, it's just so I can perv on what a European passport feels like. There you Look are. At that. I can feel you gliding through the security in the Schengen areas. I do. There is no queue where I go. Ugh. Just go straight through. I mean, first of all, I won't be ungentlemanly, but the date of birth is astonishing. You look amazing. What is your secret, Fred? Well, like you, I do a lot of sports yeah. every day. You know, I, I have a good sweat. You know, I get up, I have a coffee, and then I go and exercise. So I do 40, 45 minutes of strength and conditioning. I change every day. Uh, but mainly, um, one of my, my core exercises is my 301 push-ups that I do every day. And I've been doing that for years. And um, it's almost like a mantra, you know. It's like uh, it's like meditation, in a way. And, and I really need to have that physical exertion right in the morning because that set me off right for the day. Three hundred and one what's the thinking with the extra one at the end it's just one more <laughs> inspiring stuff right let's let's herb through your i mean look through your passport i mean the pick you've gone you've moved on from the shave-headed sort of assistant yeah well i've had a, a shaven head all my life since i'm maybe 20 when i first came to london actually 1992 i shaved my head and i never look back because my hair as you can see is kind of it's, it's really wavy. thick and and i can't do anything about it but in lockdown you know i didn't go to the uh to the to the barbers and i and i grew my hair and i quite liked it and what i enjoyed is putting my fingers through my hair i quite like that at the moment so <laughs> i don't love know yourself fred <laughs> i don't know what's got what, what i'm gonna do you know whether i'm gonna let it grow or do a mullet i don't know what i'm gonna what do what would it naturally grow like is i don't it, know is it curly I, I well the last time i grew my hair i must have been i was 19 so it's like a long time ago fascinating right let's have a look at some of these uh 
Mexico. Fan of Mexico? I love Mexico. In fact, I did a show with uh, two weeks called World Cook. And uh, Emma Willis and I presented it. And it was a, a cooking competition where chefs from around the world uh, cooked head to head to find out who was the, the world cook, who was the champion. Who was the champion? Which nationality? It's a guy called Justin from Australia. Aussies? Yeah. Um, Egypt, just been there, it's a little visa. What were you doing in Egypt? Um, long time ago, I went in the resort, doing some scuba diving and just enjoying Chilling the out, sun. Yeah, what we like to hear. Last one, Singapore. Tell me the story of Singapore. Well, my daughter, the, the first time and the last time I went in Singapore, actually, is my daughter was competing when she was... Oh, your daughter's a swimmer, isn't she? She's a diver. Yeah. She is the best British diver and she is currently the third best diver in the world. She just come back today from Canada for the second leg of the World Cup and she finished third. She was bronze medal. And she the first leg she was bronze as well. She also got a silver in synchro. But anyway, yeah. in Singapore, it was one of the very first uh, international competition. And um, at the time she was there, she was a bit sick actually. She still competed because, you know, you, you talk about all these champions and you watch this, you read these quotes about Mohammed Ali or any kind of of really uh, sporting legend and but my daughter's like that you know she was training and she was actually competing on in Singapore and she was sick she was physically sick and she still did it sometimes she dived through the tears because she needs to do it she needs to get that dive in and she needs to she, she needs to perform it's this, incredible this sounds like such a high achieving house is there anyone in your house that isn't high achieving a cat Hamster, just something for the for the listeners. We need we need to see a lazy person not pulling their weight. Well, you know, for Andrea, I think that she started when she was eight, you know, and uh, it was a talent spotting day at school and she went along and she liked it. You know, the little girl jumping from the side of the pool into the pool and just... And then one thing led to another and then before you knew it, you graduate and you're jumping Crazy. from a 10-meter board. And I remember the first time she went on a 10-meter board, but actually I remember even more because she had um, a, a few years after she started, maybe she was 12 or 13, I don't remember exactly how old she was now, and she had this, this mental block and she could and die from 10 meter because she was so scared and she spent six months not being able to die from 10 meter and that happens to a lot of divers that happened to tom daly for example a lot of greats have had problems like that and then uh she finally decided okay this is it i can go back on a 10 meter now i can f i can feel the strength and she went back and she went on a 12 10 meter board and the whole club was there we were all watching and it was like a long moment i mean i don't know how long she stayed up there but it seemed like it was forever before she decided to do that dive and she did a very simple dive and she just dived perfectly, just landing in the water without a splash. And that was that. That was the end of her, uh, of her mental block. Hey, this is, I'm getting some self-help today, guys, and like some therapy, personal development. I almost don't want to dive into your bag for your first must-pack item. But shall I, shall I'm I show literally you my being paid to ask I'm you gonna, to do it. I'm so. going to show you. Look. What is it's it? It's my Speedos. Oh, great. Look at those. Yeah. I take them everywhere I go. Because you never know. So... Do you feel like because you're French you can get away with the old speedos? Because if I was to put those on, there's not a member of my family or my mates who would let me get away with. We call them, you know what we call them in the UK, don't you? Go on, British budgie smugglers. Yeah, but what's the problem with speedos? I don't have a problem. I think the problem with speedos is confidence because yeah. obviously, you know, it's just around your your area there, right? Crown jewels. And so it and it's about it's about the confidence of being in something that's I mean it's, it's quite smug, isn't it? Yeah. And just being able to walk confidently on the pool or wherever you are. I like my speedos. I think yeah. you can't get better than a speedos. I agree. I feel like a sportsman when I'm wearing my speedos. I'm, I'm gonna get those. I'm gonna go to Asda wearing them and trainers. 
Now, judging by your Instagram, you are a travel nut. I mean, there's pictures there, Mallorca, Gallipoli, Rome, Iceland, Amsterdam, France, Spain, and Mexico, which I've already mentioned. What does travel mean to you? I mean, for me, travel, it's about... It, it, it's about pleasure first and, and foremost and it's just, it's just discovering sceneries locations people food I love to explore you know it's an adventure every time I go and travel it's an adventure and I love it and um, you know I'm very lucky very fortunate very grateful because of my job I get to travel and I get to go to these amazing places meet these amazing people when we went to Mexico for example with Emma Willis uh, we met this chef called I, I had met him before but um, it was a great opportunity to meet him really and spend more time with him Benito Molina who is a top chef wow. in Mexico and he took us to this all in the wall place where they were making taco the old fashioned way where uh, they were making taco with this ancient uh, uh, pork recipe which basically was a Mayan recipe and to cook the pork they just put it in the soil you know for the, they dig a big hole and they cook it for 24 hours or something like that and it just come out and it's beautiful and it's just melting and then it's cooking very very slowly in the ashes and um, you know, and then you you talk to this we guy who, done this after lunch, who knows this uh, the history, you know, of where it comes from, you know, and wow. and you can't get that if you if you stay at home. No. So I always say this to Lindsay, as my wife, listeners, that food is another way of exploring a country. So even if money is tight or you can't get away, sometimes we, you can travel there by cooking that cuisine at home and remembering a trip you went on. And it's, it's an integral part of visiting a place. I don't understand people that go somewhere and don't eat the local cuisine because you've not fully visited that place, have you? I don't understand that either. You know, I think for me, life is about the senses, right? And this is how we understand and make sense of life. You know, what you see, what you smell, what you taste, the feeling that you have on your skin, you know, with yeah. the heat or the cold. But, but food is an integral part of that. And it's about your senses and it's about all these pleasures and these sensations that you're gonna, that you're gonna get when you eat this food. And, and we need to eat, but food is not just fuel. Food is about, food is about fuel, of course, but it's about the pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're missing the pleasure, you're missing a big part of what food is. And as you say, you know, you can travel with the food. It creates memories and it's just, it makes life, it's like butter. It makes life so much better. How do you know what I'd love to know what your explanation of this is? How you could be in Italy, for example, and, and taste a, a Chianti that costs two euros and you taste it and you're like, this is the best wine I've ever had. But if I take that same bottle home, it physically tastes different. Yeah, I'm not sure about this, Russell. I mean, I've heard this and, and we've all had, you know, a beautiful wine somewhere and it's all about that romantic setup that there is and suddenly it doesn't taste so good. But if the wine is good and you bring it back, it's going to be good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it mar uh, it ma what I'm, I think the point I'm making is it sort of marries with the environment. It does something to the, like the experience of eating your lunch. Me and you could order the same food and eat it hunched over our desk separate or light a candle, invite a few people we like and eat the same food. It would, the physical well, experience the, of it. You know, the last I, I can only talk to you about a specific example. The last case of one I brought back from France while I was there. I was in Cassis and I was filming a show called Fred's Last Resort, where I took twelve youngsters uh, to run a five-star hotel with me in the south of France, in Cassis. Anyway, there was this um, this vineyard there called Claude du Paternel. And I brought their, uh, their standard white wine, by the way, who was made, that was made with the local grapes there. It was delicious there in Cassis. And I brought it back and it was just as good. And the six bottles just went <laughs> in a flash because it was so good. Do you know, it. so I think that if the wine is good enough, though, 
is going to be good enough when he comes back. There we go, inspirational stuff. When did you first fall in love with travel? Did you travel much as a, a, a boy? Was it French holidays? Did you? What's different for British people? We can't get our heads around the fact you can drive and be in a totally different country with a, a different language, unless you count Glasgow or Newcastle. Yeah, or you can go to Wales. Yeah, exactly. You but you know, Ireland. you know what I mean, though? A different pass. You've crossed a border. You're in a different yeah, place. Yeah, I mean, it's true that, I mean, France is the most visited country in the world. And I don't think it's by chance. It's beautiful. You know, you've got the Pyrenees Mountains, you've got the Alps, you've got the Massif Central for mountains, you've got Atlantic Ocean, Mediterranean Sea, you've got uh, the, the Channel up north there with the Normandy beaches. You've got, you know. Bloody Paris. You've got forget. Paris. <laughs> I mean, Bordeaux. You've got Lyon. I mean, and every single region in France has a different gastronomy. So wherever you are in France, you will eat differently, different recipes uh, and different specialties. And my parents, we were on holiday, we were going on holiday twice a year with my parents, with my little brother. And in the winter, we used to go and, and ski. And in the summer, we used to go on, on the sea. So whether it was Mediterranean or the Atlantic. And um, we always went to France. We never, ever went abroad. The only time we went abroad was if we were going, let's say, to Biarritz, which is not too far from the uh, from Spain where you go to do an excursion in San Sebastian for the day and come back to France and right. even to this day my parents still always uh, uh, holiday in France I mean they do come to the UK to visit me and my brother but uh, yeah they do stay in France but there's so much to do and the thing is it's the weather it's about the climate it's mm. about the sunshine Right, if you are on the Atlantic Ocean there on the coast or if you are in the Mediterranean but even inland in France it's the summer it's hot and, and, and you, need, you need some cream on your skin, otherwise you're going to get sunburned. What was the town in France that you grew up in? What was that like? Where did you grow up? I grew up in a town called Limoges, which is in the centre of France, about 400 kilometres from Paris. So it's right in the centre. It's not a region that you would visit per se, you know, if you're yeah, a tourist. But sometimes I like those regions. You know, like the regions that, a place that isn't necessarily on the beaten track, you can get more of a holiday and people can be more welcoming of tourists and things like that. Yeah, I mean, funny you said that. Yesterday I was in Ashford. I took the car and I drove and it was about an hour's drive from home. And um, I went for a walk on the Ken Downs. It's absolutely stunning. It's so beautiful. We didn't hear a car. You didn't see a soul while you were walking. And it's a beautiful, glorious English countryside. But it was just beautiful to walk there in the countryside, going through the fields. Hidden gems. I loved it. I really loved it. So I think that there is something there because, you know, we kind of sometimes, you know, we we want what other people have and we see it on Instagram or mm. we, we have idea about what a holiday should be or what happiness should be when actually it's all inside us all along. Let's get to Limoges on holiday. Well, what, what other tips would you give <laughs> what other tips would you give to because france feels i'll be honest it's intimidating as a destination why is it intimidating because, because of all the things you've said there's so much to do such variety you don't know where to start so what's your top travel tips you pick a region so let's say for example um you pick alsace Right, right. You know Alsace. Yes, not too far, not northeast of France. Right, uh, not not too far from Germany. Get some interesting wines on that border. Beautiful wine, beautiful gastronomy, uh, beautiful scenery, beautiful landscape. But it's not a destination maybe that people would think of going to. There's no mountain. There's no sea. Um, but in terms of filling your eyes and filling your your soul with beauty, I mean, this is the place to go to. You know, another region which would be amazing is the Lot. 
LOT, which is uh, a region which is about 130 kilometers from Paris, which is where this is the region of duck and foie gras, oh. uh, real gastronomic uh, area there, you know, and a beautiful scenery with the Dordogne River. You can do lots of physical activities like canoeing. You can go and visit castles, you can go and, and go on great hikes, uh, lots of wine, of course. I mean, it's great. Beautiful. Two great recommendations there that I've never had recommended to me before. I'm, getting, I'm building up quite the travel list from this series, as you can imagine. I've got to ask you, when you first moved to London, how long ago is it now since you moved to London first? I moved to London in 1992. I was just 20. Right. So when you moved there, what surprised you about the cultural differences between France and the UK? And I would imagine they probably still surprise you to this day because I'm British and I'm still surprised at how different we are every time I go out drinking. I think that for me, the main thing is was the freedom. Being in the UK, everything seems so easy, and and here you can do things and say things that maybe you can't in France. Oh right, that's interesting. Um, my brother came to study here. Actually, uh, I came to to the UK, and three years later, he, he followed me, and he did his PhD here. He liked the way education was run in the in the UK because in France it's quite it's very disciplined and quite prescriptive in terms of how people study and what they do, and 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 you have to follow that line. Whereas in the UK, you're free. Yeah. And that's what I really like. I was I remember walking in the street and feeling totally free, like I never never felt in France. And not that, you know, there was any issue for me in France. It was just like a brave new world that was more opening oxygen, to me. More oxygen, more air. And also the accent must have... I mean, I, I can't well, imagine being a single 21-year-old guy with that accent. I bet there was a waiting list. Do you, do you have a ticket system? Yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, because when you were coming from France, you're working in hospitality, you know, in, in the early 90s, you were like a, an exotic creature. Mm. And if you go to parties, for example, when I was going to a party, I was in the kitchen telling stories about my job and what I was doing and the people I met and stuff like that. And that was exciting to people. But for me, also, the excitement came, you know, from hospitality, from the restaurant scenes because in France you know you would have French restaurant and you would eat French food uh, in the UK it was the world was there for the first time I worked with Americans with Australians and with my approach I was very good hospitality but I was somehow a little rigid but working with Americans and Australians and all these people who were just they were just cool you know they just added it just added another string to my bow in terms of delivering great hospitalities to guests Let's delve into your bag again and see what your second item is. Well, it's my Philips Sonicare toothbrush. Oh, I've got one of those. Perfect. This is a Rolls-Royce of toothbrush. And I go traveling, I've got to have my toothbrush with me. Mm. I mean, it is, it's an essential item. Do you put the toothbrush in your hand luggage just in case, rather than in your main bag? It's in my main bag. Oh, so yeah, I, know, I, don't, I don't even gamble that. I mean, the other day I was in uh, in Gallipoli in Puglia and I came back via Switzerland and there was a very short window to change plane. And um, I did actually ask the lady at the desk, I said, is my luggage going to go straight to on the plane for me to go to uh, to London? I said, yeah, no problem. Anyway, in London, my, my, oh, no. my, my suitcase was missing. Yeah. So uh, when I arrived home, actually, my suitcase was delivered three days later, which was, I thought was quite brilliant, actually, yeah. although it was a little annoying. But I didn't have my toothbrush for three days and I had to use fruitcake's toothbrush. And so I had to use her toothbrush because she had a spare head. Right. But uh, yeah, it's not really my cup of tea. But it's it's quite a romantic image. You you are a shameless romantic. We, we, see, we see you as a romantic. But what is your ultimate romantic destination? Jamaica, without a doubt. I go back to Negril. 
Nickville Beach, Seven Mile Long Beach, uh, incredible. You got the sand on your feet. You know, I've, I've always been a fan of, of Bob Marley, and this is the reason why I went to Jamaica. And uh, the last time I was there, I went on a bit of a pilgrimage to discover where Bob Marley was from. I went to his village, to Nine Mile, you know. And uh, when you look outside his, his house that, there, where he was living with his mom, and you can see the hills and the trees and all the green, and you can see how lush it is. You can see where the music comes from, and that makes you. Il- love reggae even more yeah I'm abs- i spent a lot of years listening to bob marley i mean i absolutely love his music i mean he's the best i mean i know that look it's a bit of a cliche or oh, you love reggae you love bob marley there are many many other artists but when master. you think of what he did his legacy and the quality of the music and the amount of album he's done the amount of of, of songs you know there isn't a bad song and um, yeah, it was incredible to go there and to just discover, to to actually walk in his footsteps, to see where he was. That was quite quite something for me. I really really enjoyed it. If I was going to Jamaica the first time, where where would I go? You mentioned the beach. Where where do I fly to? Is it Montego Bay? Is it Kingston? Uh, yeah, I would fly to Montego Bay. Uh, I've been all over really there. I've been to Ochi. I've been to Kingston. I mean, Kingston is the capital, obviously. Um, but you know, in terms of the inverted comma tourist destinations, for me, uh, Negril is the best because this is really Jamaica on the beach. Uh, there's a lovely community there on Negril, and um, it, it's that sense of freedom. You know, you wake up early in the morning, the sun is just rising. You know, six o'clock. You go on the beach, you go for a lovely walk, then you come back an hour or two later, and you have your breakfast, and you feel so energized because the sun in the morning you know just rising up like the heat but it's already very hot and you can hear the crickets and I love the fact also that the nights fall around 6pm so you've got about 12 hours of night and 12 hours of daytime and I love that I love the tropical rain mm-hmm. you know people just go indoors when it's raining I stay outside and I just want to be drenched you know just the water you know it's so beautiful it's warm it's tropical rain yeah it's exciting. I mean, Fruitcake wants to go to different islands in the Caribbean. In fact, we're planning a holiday in Cuba uh, for the summer. But because Jamaica really is the island, and I know everybody laughs about Jamaicans, you know, they think that they're the king of the, Jama- the, of, of the Caribbean and all that. But it's true. I mean, the island is beautiful. <laughs> the food is amazing. Who's got reggae? Nobody's got reggae. So you fell in love with the Caribbean. What are your ingredients for the perfect romantic getaway, would you say? Um, I think you've got to keep it simple. And uh, you want to be able to just have a glass of wine, have a drink, have a conversation, go back to your cooking. So basically, it's things that you can cook straight away a la minute. That's the best romantic meal that you can cook, I think. But for a getaway, for a romantic holiday, would you favour the all-inclusive or are you a bit suspicious of the food and an all-inclusive or do you like an all-inclusive holiday? No, I love an all-inclusive. Me too. You don't have to cook. You don't have to do anything. Well, you... no, but some people are a bit like, if, if the hotel is all-inclusive, then the food standard can only be so high. So that- I don't think so. I've been to some great hotels. In fact, when we were in, in Mexico, we were at the Tui El Dorado Seaside Suite. And there were, I don't know how many restaurants there were. I mean, more than more than five. Yes. And the restaurants were delicious. I mean, for lunch, for example, you had this buffet. You had an array of a selection. I mean, it was just incredible. Let's take another dive from the 10-metre board into your bag. What is item number three? 
Well, I have a, a picture of my kids. Um, my son was about seven years old and my daughter about 12. And I always take that picture with me. It's just a, an old picture that's been laminated, really. And I just take it out of my bag and I put it on my bedside table. And um, because I, I travel a lot for, for with my work and, um, and I always miss my kids. So to have a picture, they're all, my phone is full of pictures of the kids and I speak to them every day when I'm away. I love that to have that physical reminder on my bedside table. And how old are your kids now? They are, my son is going to be 14 in July and my daughter is going to be 19 in September. So your son's still relatively young. My daughter's seven, about to turn eight. I really struggle with traveling and being away from her. I find it really, really hard. So given how much traveling you've done in the last seven years, you've obviously just done what, you've done that phase from seven to 14 with your son. How? How do you deal with that? Is it you got the photo and you got the phoning? Do you get emotional? Does it hurt a bit, or are you okay with it? You think I'm doing what I love? It's what I'm supposed to do. It always hurts. It always hurts. And you know, we kids, I'm sure you relate to that. There's always that you know the amount of guilt that you have. You know, yeah. when you are when you're away and you're not with them and you should be with them all the time. And but now that they are they have grown and they are older, I realize you know that my kids they don't belong to me. They don't belong to anybody. They belong to themselves. They are their own person. And when you go away, like I did go away when my son was small and my daughter was, was small too, you know, the, the one who suffers the most is me because they are having a good time. They are with their friends, mm. they are playing with their PlayStation or whatever they do. And you call them and very often, you know, you call them, oh yeah, okay, dad, I've got to go, I've got to go yeah, and, and do this. Every time. Do you know what I mean? You're the one who's crying and it was upset because you're not with them, but they are having a great I time. Don't. I've been away for 20 nights, I'm going to go in a minute. But uh, yeah, I think that that's what it is. And so, but, but for me, you know, I've always, you know, I'm, I'm what's called the papa pool in French, you know, it's like a papa chicken, you know, and I'm like, you know, the, the, the papa chicken basically <laughs> just sits on the eggs, you know, and it just makes, you know, makes them warm so that they can hatch in, in a good way. So that's, that, that, that's my style of, of parenting, really. But um, hang on a second, I'm taking that because I think I'm a papa cool as well. Is that the right? Yeah, papa pool. Papa pool. So that's a man who's more hands on. Yeah, more hands on. And you just give your hugs and the kisses to the that's children. And, you know, and, you know, I mean, my children are the best thing I've done and the best thing I will ever do you know that you can't beat that and so you know but i think that now that they are older you know i don't have i don't have the same guilt i don't have the guilt at all anymore to go away and to travel and because it's for work it's not like i'm going for three months on a holiday which i would love to do by the way i would love to go right now with my backpack and to go and travel go? the world where would you start i would do the whole world i would just First go destination um South America. I'd love to do South America. Um, I've traveled there when I was 26. I really loved it. I love to go the whole of Asia. Um, you know, I went on a trip with Gordon and Gino. We went in America. That was fascinating to go around. America was just quite extraordinary. Obviously, I can't uh, talk to you and not uh, try and get some gossip about Gordon and Gino and what it's like working with them. Well, I'm in the middle. Um, you know, Gordon is always right and Gino is never wrong. And um, it's uh, it can be quite difficult, quite tricky at times. Uh, but look, um, our adventure now is going to stop, you know, the road trip. We're not going to do it anymore. It was great, you know, while we did it. Uh, it's not going to happen anymore. But uh, yeah, it was a fun adventure. And does Gino genuinely believe Italian food's better and do you argue about it or is that... He does. He does, he does. He talks about pizza and mozzarella all day. And he's like, hey, the mozzarella. And I'm just like, but you can't be serious, Gino. You can't be serious that this is all you love. And this is, this is for you the, the, the best that you can get in the world. I mean, 
I mean, not that I'm just going to be bigging up French cuisine saying it's the best in the world, although I love French although cuisine. Although it is, you know, <laughs> Well, it is very good, but I'm not going to be standing there and telling you this is the best that there is. I can't do that. Mm. You know, I really can't. But he's going to sit there and look at you and he's going to say, yeah, that's, that's, that's the truth. I feel like there's a friendly rivalry between Italy and France for the cuisine wars. Yeah, I mean, look, Italian food is very good. I love Italian food. When I was growing up in France, and even now, if I go to France, I don't have Italian food. If I go to France, I have French food. That's it. I didn't have a mozzarella until I was 18 years old. I didn't have you a didn't kiwi have mozzarella. mozzarella. First time I had mozzarella, <laughs> I was 18. First time I had a Chinese and, a, and an Indian, I was 18. You know, because in France, that's what you eat. And, 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 and that's just the way it is. And I grew up, drink, grew up drinking French wine and eating French food. And, 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 and we go to, see, to visit my parents when we were there. You know, after we went to Paris, we, we, we drove down to see my parents. And my, how can we have a pizza? I said, uh, son, you can have a pizza in the UK. You can have a pizza when, uh, when you are in Italy. But we are in France. We're eating French food. That's it. Okay. Advice for British parents, because... My daughter is now more or less 100% pizza stroke pasta. I can't get her to eat anything else. Why do French parents get such better results with getting their kids to eat the food they want them to eat? Because if I say that to my daughter, she'd just have a meltdown and then catch fire on the floor in front of me. I don't know if the French people are better at eating. I mean, there is quite a repertoire though with the gastronomy and you can cook so many things, but but kids around the world, I mean, they love pasta and they love pizza. They love mm. that. And uh, I think that's just that's just a phase, but it's... I remember my kids eating everything when, when they were young. Now, Andrea is a bit more difficult, but because of a sport, you know, for her, food is more fuel. Yeah. Uh, but she likes to eat well, you know, and uh, she knows what good food is because she's been eating good food since a little girl. And my son is like a, a gourmet. He's like a, a connoisseur. He goes in a restaurant. He's got an incredible palate and he loves to eat all sorts of food. So that's, a, but he's a bit older now. Yeah. But I love to take him out and go to all sorts of restaurants and places and just discover new, new flavors and new food. Uh, what about the places you filmed at? What was the favorite? We've mentioned some of them. Any others like Morocco, Greece, Lapland, LA? Um, LA was very good. I'd never been to LA, uh, never been to San Francisco, to California, you know, uh, it's cool. And my reference with California is the doors, is Jim Morrison. Again, when I was 16, you know, this is, you know, and you go, you go to California and I had the soundtracks of the doors, LA woman, you know, uh, playing inside my head and I was playing it actually. And, uh, you just arrived there and you're like, yes, this is where the doors were, you know, she's so exciting because all this is all music. I love music and there's always a soundtrack inside my head. Mm. And so to arrive there and to be there was just, wow. San Francisco, it was, uh, you know, uh, the village people, YMCA. Yes, love it. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned you're off to Cuba next, but how do you choose, you know, where you want to go next? What what decides it for you? I mean, do you sit down as a family or do you have a brainstormer and present some ideas to the board? That's what I do. I'm very much do a load of research, present some options to the board and then the boss, my wife, decides. Yeah, well, uh, I come up with uh, ideas. I say, where are we going to go on holiday? Where, where do we go? And then names are thrown into the hat and then we whittle it down and finally we whittle it down to Cuba. And do you sometimes say, right, we, we want an exploring holiday family or we uh, everyone's really tired, we need an all-inclusive holiday or is everything on the table when you start brainstorming? Well, on this one, um, I think that, look, obviously we're going to a resort, it's going to be all-inclusive um, and so we're just going to be kind of chilling and, and relaxing in the same time because it's Cuba, it's the Caribbean and there's so much to see there. 
It's going to be a, 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 a bit of both, actually. And I'm really looking forward to getting out and just discovering what Cuba is about. And you also, uh, you recently worked with Tui, didn't you, um, filming the World Cook, which you mentioned. Um, what was your favourite destination for food? Well, the favourite one out of all the destinations for me was Mexico. Because it was really a revelation. And here, you know, in the UK, we've got lots of Mexican restaurants. And being French is not a culture that I was exposed to. And when you are French, you know, you're a bit snotty with other people's cuisine. And so for me now to discover new cuisine, you just realize how amazing these cuisines are and how, how far back uh, they go. You know, like this this pork I was telling you about, which is a southern Ural recipe, a Mayan recipe. I mean, the Mayans were around when... Nobody else was here. You see what I mean? It was just, uh, it's very old. And this recipe still to this day is cooked in the same way. I mean, that's just take you back. It's just fantastic. So I was really impressed with the quality of the cooking and how intricate it was. And that was a revelation for me. Okay, Fred, absolutely awesome. I mean, I've, I'm my travel list my menu has grown. I've got, I've got a big to-do list off the back of this. All right. But before I get on to get that to-do list to done, I've got some quick-fire questions for you. Okay. Let's see how you do. Last-minute trip or planned in advance? A bit of both. Depends on how I feel. You're flexible. Yeah. I mean, some trips you need to, 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 to actually plan in advance and others you can say, okay, like with fruitcake, we love to go to Paris. We go to Paris next weekend and you go for two days. And you go crazy. That's when the kids are go crazy older. in Paris. My daughter, gu- the- my daughter guilts me at the moment. I'm like, well, it's our anniversary next week, so I'm like, right, we're going to go to Brussels for two nights. You don't love me. You leave me all the time. Does she say that? Yeah, she'll say that. She'll try oh it on. my god! To, I mean, you could play with that on to, this one to manipulate uh, Lindsay. It's crazy, isn't it? Really, she does that. No, she- my children never did that. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Like, Daddy, why do you work so much? You'll do that. But then, but then another time I'll get, yeah, sorry, I'm playing. Yeah. So so which is the performance and which is the the real? The great manipulator. <laughs> That's what she is. <laughs> Set itinerary or go with the flow? Well, it, it again, it's a bit of both. You know, You're happy uh, both. when I went to Iceland, for example, it was set itinerary every day for five days. We knew what we were doing, where we were going and who we were going to meet. And that was great. Another time, let's say we're in Jamaica and you just get up and go with the flow. Take it easy. Easy skanking. I love that tune. Skanking it easy. Excuse easy. me while I like my... Well, let's not finish that one. That's right. <laughs> I love that song. Um, if you had to go, sun, snow or city break. Right now, planes waiting, you and fruit. Sun. Pain. Okay. I go sun right now. Favourite city? Paris. Of course. Ends down. No, but it's not because I'm French. It's not because I'm biased. It's because <laughs> Paris is the dawn. Yeah. You can do everything in Paris. You can eat well. You can feel. You, you can just walk in the street and feel like a million dollars. And it's relaxing. You know, there's all these parks. It's beautiful. New York, after three days, I'm tired. Top destination for food in the world? That's going to be France. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why are you asking me that? Can you recommend a hidden gem? Alsace, Lorraine. <laughs> for me, the <laughs> hidden gem is the Lot region. L O T. And uh, you've got beautiful towns there like uh, Souillac, like Sarlat, the Cahors. This is just a, an incredible region, a gem of a region. You've got a journey, aisle seat or window seat? Window. Your favourite travel companion? This is a, a cruel question to ask a family man, but... I mean, fruitcake is my best companion for travelling. Yeah, we are, because we have a lot of fun. We laugh a lot. She's very funny. And uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure to go and discover things with her. I'm not sure if this is uh, blasphemy to ask the next question. 
Red, white, or rosé? <laughs> red. I love red. I mean, I love every wine, you know. I mean, I love it? white and rosé, but I think that the red is really my colour. Is So rosé, there's not a snobbery against rosé in No, France. it's just that uh, the rosé, you know, I would drink rosé in the summer. So it's a very seasonal wine for me. I know some people like rosé all year round, but for me, it's it's more about the, the, the summer and sunshine. This is when I like to have a glass of rosé. Uh, whereas red, I can do it any time of the year. This is the most British thing you've ever hear, but my, my mother-in-law, yeah. when whatever wine is ordered, I don't even know if I should share this, a shot of Sprite is ordered on the side to, sweet, <laughs> to sweeten up the rosé or the... Oh, really? Well, each to their own. <laughs> each to their own, Russell. What can you do? Try to provoke you. Ultimate bucket list destination. Ultimate bucket list destination. Well, for me, is to do a, 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 a trip around the world with my rucksack and just go. Go where it takes so me. So the whole globe. Yeah, just go and just go no and travel. No one said that yet. Well done. <laughs> I, lo- I, I love traveling. I love to go. I really love traveling. And, and I love to travel in different ways. You know, you could go to a five-star hotel one day or you could go to a, a user store another and you can each hike or you could rent a bike or, or motorbike or whatever and just go where where life takes you and I think that's nice because this is when you you go and meet random people like that that you have the best adventures mm. best travel memory well I did a summer season in Monte Carlo when I was 18 and I was working at the um, Société de Ben Mer which is basically the hospitality company owned by the Prince of Monaco and uh, they run most of the hotels and restaurants there and I was at the Flying Squad which is called the Brigade Volante in French and so in the morning you could be setting up what's called the the, the, the big conference center there uh, called the Sporting Club and the roof of the Sporting Club used to open at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock and then there used to be fireworks it was just insane and then when you were working there you had to serve with with me and another guy because but it was huge conference center it was about a thousand people there and you had people like for example Harry Belafonte who used to perform there and mm. when I heard that he died uh, not so long ago I, I saw him on stage rehearsing a cappella it was the most beautiful voice Deo, Deo, they like come and me one go home it was so beautiful anyway so you had to serve the guests from nine o'clock until eleven and then the show was starting and then after the show there was Dancers, dancers. I mean, you should have seen these dancers coming in between the tables, lifting their up, their legs up to the sky, just doing all this incredible stuff. And then, and then the roof would open, and you could see the stars. And and suddenly it was fireworks, and it was just insane. And I used to go to the club, and go out until four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning. And and at nine o'clock you wake up with magic matches inside your eyes, you know, to keep your eyes open. And you go and and you 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 carry on. So anyway, I was telling you, so you could be setting up the Monte Carlo Sporting Club in the morning, and then lunch at the Monte Carlo beach and then in the evening you would be working in another restaurant it was the most incredible season bloody hell that sounds amazing you've been to Monte Carlo before I, I, I passed through it for like when I was filming and a friend got a friend got married uh, near there so you've got to go you've got to take Lindsay funnily enough there is a holiday this year with some friends where um, a friend of ours has hired a boat and we're going to stop along all along that coast and it's an incredible place, you know, and, and, and to work there when I was 18 was just, I mean, you know, you are in the hotel de, uh, on the, the main piazza there near the Hotel de Paris and you get everybody who rocks up with these supercars. You've never seen so many supercars. It's just insane. It's beautiful, beautiful to watch. You just have to sort of take like a Ford Cortina to stand out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? But actually, it's a nice car, Ford Cortina. Oh, I love it. I love my, yeah. I've got an old Beamer. I've got a 1986 BMW. That's what I drive. Oh, cool. Five Series. I love it. 
best hospitality outside of France? Well, I mean, I could say so many things. And I know you said outside of France. But really, <laughs> when I go back to mum and dad, it's good. <laughs> I knew the answer was going to be France. I love it. Because, I love it. Know, Don't my, change that answer. But my mum, when we arrived, she always cooked the rabbit in a mustard sauce, which oh is my her specialty God. with French fries. And it's just insane. And I don't get up. I just sit there. And my mum just bring the, the, the rabbit and the French fries. And it's just, oh, it's yummy. <sighs> yummy. Fred Sirex, that has been inspiring, interesting. It's given me things to do as soon as I get out of here. I wish I'd got out of bed earlier. It's one day I haven't missed a workout for weeks, and this morning I missed you it. You missed your workout. This Should morning. We do some push-ups together. <laughs> 301. Yeah. I'm doing it today. I'm doing the Sirex workout when I get out. Thank you so much. Anything we can look forward to coming up? Any books, any series, anything for us to watch? Well, we're going to be filming very soon the 10th anniversary series of First Dates. So if you have any mates who want to apply, um, yeah, let them know and direct them to firstdatescasting.co.uk. Well, Papa Chicken, thank you very much. Thank you, Russell. Thanks for listening to Pack Your Bags with Tui. Uh, please do share it with a friend. Please leave reviews. It really helps other people find the show. Um, we've got loads more to come, so please follow. Please subscribe. We're back next Wednesday. Tune in for that. Feeling all loved up and ready to plan your own romantic getaway? Whether it's a dreamy city break in Paris or a relaxing beach vacation you're planning, you can live happy with your loved ones sooner than you think. Head to tui.co.uk to find the perfect travel experience for you. Pack Your Bags was brought to you by Tui and produced by Chalk and Blade.